Well, good morning. Welcome again to Christ Central Church. My name is Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad you're with us this morning. And let me say again, if you're new or a recent guest, somebody that's started participa- participating in worship with us online, maybe you've moved to Durham to the Triangle, uh, we would love to get to know you. Please let us know you're here. Fill out a digital connect card. Uh, we look forward to getting to know you more. Uh, we're excited as we are enabled more and more, uh, hopefully in the coming months, to be together in person. Well, 2020, it has been one heck of a year, hasn't it? I saw a news headline this past week that read 1918 plus 1929 plus 1968 equals 2020. 1918 is the year of the Spanish flu pandemic where millions lost their lives. 1929 was the Great Depression and the economic collapse in our country. And 1968 was the civil rights movement, the unrest, the murder of Dr. King and rightful protesting. You roll those three tragic years into one year and you get 2020 year in which we are living in today. And obviously there are differences between those years and our current tragedies and crises, but you get my point. 2020 has already been extremely heavy in many different ways for our country and on us as people. A few people reached out to me this past week and they asked how I was doing and I responded very succinctly. I said, I'm sad, I'm angry, and I'm exhausted. The continued racial injustice in this country that exists towards black and brown people while I, as a white man, am afforded many opportunities where I don't have to fear or have anxiety because of my skin color makes me really sad. The continued injustice towards people of color that is systemic, not just individuals acting against individuals, but structures and systems that oppress make me really angry. And if I can be honest, the social media medium, though I know it can be effective in our current day, it wears me out. I feel like everybody just wants to hear their own voice. There is this self-righteousness expressed on social media. It often feels like people aren't really using it to engage in meaningful dialogue and hopeful change, but to live within their own echo chamber. You place on top of that that I really do long for more than just people making statements. I long for the hearts of people to change. I long for change in structures in the very fabric of our society. It is 2020, and we're still far from an equitable society, and all of this makes me feel exhausted. This morning, we're gonna open up God's word, and we're gonna look at Psalm chapter eight, which might at first feel like an odd psalm to preach this week, but I pray God will speak to us in our current time. If you were to open up the Psalms and start reading your way through the Psalter, the collection of Psalms, you would read Psalm chapter 3. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. And then you would read Psalm chapter 4. Answer me when I call, O God. And then Psalm chapter 5. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. Then Psalm 6, my soul is greatly troubled. How long, O Lord? Psalm 7, O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Psalms chapter 3 through 7 are threaded with lament. 
By the way, Evan preached a great sermon last week on lament. So if you were to be reading or singing your way through the Psalms, you would sing and read Psalm 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, and you would be expressing sadness, anger, exhaustion because of the suffering and pain of this world. And then you would read Psalm chapter 8. And in the words of one of my old seminary professors, Mark Fatato, Psalm chapter 8 is an interlude of glory in a katata of suffering. Psalm chapter 8 lifts our eyes from our current circumstances and puts our eyes on God. And we all need that this morning. I need that this morning. So if you will, open up God's Word. It's on the screen. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read the very words of God to us this morning from Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Pray with me. Well, God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. Bring your word to bear in our very present realities, in our own lives, and in this cultural moment that we are in. I pray that you would open our eyes to behold the grandeur and the majesty, the beauty of God and the beauty of the world in which you created. I pray that the Holy Spirit would illumine our minds, soften our hearts, and bring about change that lasts in us and in this world because your word is powerful and effective. Lord, I pray that you would speak, remove me the preacher so that Christ and Christ alone is exalted. It's in your name I pray, amen. Well, can you think of a time in your life when your worldview got rocked? When something you believed to be true about the world got revealed to be untrue. Learning the real truth about Santa. Learning that Lance Armstrong or Sammy Sosa used steroids. Learning that one of your best friends betrayed you. or Learning that your parents were getting a divorce. Learning that someone you loved and thought would be around forever was going to die. Learning that a pastor or somebody you admired was immoral or just committed suicide. When this happens, it's easy to become disillusioned where you question what is even true about the world in which we're living. Right now, a pandemic is wreaking havoc on the whole world. Racial injustice is causing people to rightfully protest. The president of our country has the military shoot protesters with rubber bullets and tear gas 
so that he can take a candid photo of himself holding a Bible in front of a church. And it causes us to reflect. How stable and powerful are we really as a country? How far have we come with racial reconciliation within our country? How often do political leaders across partisan lines wield and use Christianity for power play and for self and personal advancement? What's true about the world in which we live? It is easy to be disillusioned. Well, Psalm chapter 8 is a psalm of orientation. It is orienting us to what is true of the world in which we live. Psalm 8 is a gift in the midst of lament. It is an interlude of glory and a katata of suffering, inviting us to lift our eyes from our current circumstances and to place our eyes on God. It begins and ends with the same refrain, verse 1 and verse 9. David, the author, bookends the psalm with this refrain, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David is, start, is stating that the, the Lord, our Lord, is the majestic one, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is above all things. He sustains all things. He is greater, wiser, more beautiful, more powerful than all things in all places. Our Lord is so majestic, verse 3, that he created the world by his fingers. I, I heard Tim Keller talk about a speaker that he heard while he was in high school. The speaker led him towards faith in Jesus. And uh, this teacher was a woman teaching uh, at a youth retreat. And she said this to, to the youth gathered. She said that if the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 92 million miles, was reduced to the thickness of a sheet of paper, then the distance between the earth and the nearest star would be a stack of papers 70 feet high. And the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. That is how big the galaxy is. Yet the galaxy is nothing but a speck of dust virtually in the whole universe. And if this is how majestic and how big God is, what makes us think that we can ask God to come into our lives to be our assistant? to come and help us do our bidding. No, if this is how majestic and how grand God is, we must submit our whole life to him, which means we must allow God to shape our world and life view, not shape God to fit our world and life view. So I want to point out two things this morning as we lift our eyes to the Lord, two truths of God's world that give us orientation in this time of disillusionment and disorientation. And here's the first truth. God uses the weak to defeat the strong. Look at verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. In God's world, there is an enemy, an avenger, who wages war against God and against his good creation. We know of this enemy from other places in the Bible as the prince of darkness. Satan, the one who tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God, to cause God's good creation to become broken. That there are dark forces of evil in this world in which we live. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and forces of darkness. And verse 2 tells us that the way that God has chosen to defeat his enemy 
It's through babies. And particularly with what babies say. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you establish strength. You know what a good sign of health for a newborn baby is? A cry. From our three boys, I can tell you that that first cry is normally very loud. It's a sign of health because as the baby opens their mouth and lets out this big cry, oxygen fills the lungs. And the child can then begin to breathe and live in the outside world. The first thing that a baby does is cry out. Newborns and infants cannot do much. They cannot say anything. The way they communicate is by crying out. Our five-month-old, our youngest, right now when he's hungry or tired or uncomfortable or just wants to be held, he lets out a cry. The cry communicates need. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, God establishes strength to defeat his enemy. Catch this. God defeats his enemy through those who cry out in need through those who know they are weak and that he is strong. That's what Jesus teaches us in the New Testament in the Sermon on the Mount. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, crying out in need, poverty of spirit. This is a gift from God that comes by an honest assessment of one's own life. It's realizing that at any moment, one phone call, one medical appointment, one sickness diagnosed, one video posted, life goes from good to bad. It's realizing that I don't control nor own my life. Crying out in need is an honesty about the gap that exists between the glory of God, the holiness of God in our own lives. Crying out in need comes when we realize that we cannot rely on money, education, temperament, power, intelligence, appearance. As the great hymn, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. It's realizing that you possess no spiritual resources in yourself and therefore must rely on outside resources, which is God. God uses those who cry out in need. This, by the way, is why God often uses those who are on the margins of society to advance his kingdom. It's why God chose uneducated fishermen to be his apostles, and it's why God has historically used 18 to 25-year-olds to start spiritual renewal movements around the world. Because in God's world, those who are weak are strong. Let me also say this, that the picture of a newborn crying out in need. It's a great image of prayer. Prayer is a loud cry of need to a God who holds the whole world in his hands. If we want to see God change the darkness and brokenness of the world in which we live, we must pray. Prayer is a mighty weapon for the kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Old Testament Israel's being led by King Jehoshaphat. And they're being attacked by the Moabites, the Ammonites, and others. And Jehoshaphat speaks to Israel, to God's people, and he says this, disaster comes upon us, the sword, pestilence, famine. And at the very end of his speech, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, he 
He says, we do not know what to do. So our eyes are on you, God. We do not know what to do, so our eyes are on you. And then he calls for a season of prayer and fasting for God's people. He called for a season of crying out in need and asking for God to be their strength to defeat the enemies of God. This past Thursday night, we had a night of listening, lament, and praying. This week, one of the things we're doing to follow this up is that we want to ask you to join us to commit to praying and engaging in some sort of fasting. And I want us to pray that God would heal our world, that the Spirit of God would bring renewal to our world, that God would undo the darkness and brokenness of our world. We don't know what to do sometimes, so we put our eyes on you, God. I'm going to send out a, a guide later today uh, that we're going to ask you to use to guide prayer this week. We'll give you some insights on fasting as well. Let me also encourage you to join us Wednesday for a night of prayer and worship. So we want to be a people who pray, who cry out in weakness and believe that God hears our prayers and he moves on behalf of his people for his glory in this world. Because one thing that is true about God's world is that God uses the weak to defeat the strong. The second thing that we see to be true about God's world is that God places humanity at the center of his creation. So I think very intentionally, David, the author of the psalm, exactly in the center of this creation psalm, shifts to what is true about human beings. Verses 5 through 8 gives us a doctrine of humanity. As you made him, her, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. That human beings are special in God's creation. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that humanity is created in the image of God. That all of humanity has God DNA. Because of this truth, there are three things that result for human beings in God's world. Three Ds. So you can remember. Three Ds. Dignity, dominion, doxology. Dignity, dominion, doxology. Dignity. All of humanity is crowned with glory and honor. Every single human being is equal, created in the image of God. This belief about God and his world strikes at the very heart of racism, classism, sexism, any ism that inflicts injustice and oppression upon another human being. This truth about God's world defends the defenseless and honors the oppressed. A few weeks ago, I watched the Ahmad Arbery video where two white men chased him down in a truck, shot and killed him. And I could not watch the video of George Floyd, but the picture of Derek Chauvin kneeling on the neck of George Floyd was enough for me. How could two men act as judge, jury, and executioner over an unarmed Ahmad Arbery? How could someone kneel for nine minutes on the neck of George Floyd, handcuffed, lying face down on the ground while he's crying out, I can't breathe? Because there is a lack of treating these African-American men with dignity 
and the dignity that God created them in. There was no honoring nor valuing the image of God. And the dignity and image of God that Gregory and Travis McMichael and Derek Chauvin were created in was also marred because they acted as agents of darkness, not agents of our God. The oppressed and the oppressor both have their God-given dignity marred. Let me say this to all of us so that we examine our lives and we just don't indict others. The way that you speak to and about someone can either honor or oppress dignity. The way that you act towards someone in either your passivity or activity can honor or oppress dignity. Every single human being is created in the image of God, therefore is to be honored from the womb to the tomb across race and socioeconomic class. Now hear me, if there is any pride that you might have over or against another human being, ways that deep down you think you are better than they are, it reveals a lack of feeling and sensing your own personal need and weakness. I guarantee that in those moments for all of us as we experience them, that there is no crying out like a weak baby. There is no looking to God, which should be the posture of the Christian. Rather, there is a posture of self-righteousness, self-glory that results in the image of God being marred. Second thing is dominion. Look at verse 6. It says, you've given him, you've given her dominion over the works of your hands, putting all things under our feet. The way that God has established to bring his presence and his purposes to bear in this world is by using human beings. God has given us the special task to make sure that the values of God and of God's kingdom are expressed in this world. We are to seek to see every single sphere of society reflect goodness, kindness, love, grace, peace, justice, beauty that is true of our God and of his kingdom. And he has given us dominion, which means by God's grace, we are to seek not just to have individuals dignified, loved, and cared for, but structures and systems that make up our society become places of justice, goodness, beauty, love, and peace. I was listening to Trevor Noah this past week. Trevor Noah is a comedian that I love and I believe has incredible insights to our culture. Uh, Trevor Noah said that the domino that fell in recent weeks that made all the other dominoes fall that's led to the civil unrest in our country was the Amy Cooper video. If you saw that video, Amy Cooper was the white woman who had her dog off leash in Central Park and an African-American man, Christian Cooper, asked her to leash her dog. She became very offended and then he videos her and she says this quote, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them that an African-American man is threatening my life. Trevor Noah notes that maybe Amy Cooper before might have said, all people are equal, all people worthy of dignity, but that in that moment she revealed that she knew how society worked. She knew the fear that would be invoked telling an African-American man that the police are going to come when she calls out and cries out for help. That this video revealed the structures of injustice that exist in our society that white people, even if we don't always intend to, 
know how to use the structures and systems for our own end. So what's happening right now in our country, it's not just the result of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Ahmaud Arbery. It's not even the result of what happened in 2014 with Tamir Rice and Eric Gardner. It goes beyond Jim Crow, beyond slavery that founded our country to the triangular trade deal that put slavery in motion. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3 and Genesis 4 where human beings began to trod over other human beings for their own glory and their own gain. What's happening right now is also against the backdrop of the coronavirus, which has killed over 100,000 people in our country. But the impact of the coronavirus is having a disproportional impact on the African-American community. African-Americans have died from the disease at three times the rate. This is not because of secondary preconditions. It's the revealing of the realities of historical, systemic, and structural injustices that have led to a whole community being more susceptible to the disease. Listen to me, as human beings, at the center of God's world, we've been given dominion to seek justice, mercy, peace, goodness in all structures, in all systems, in all places. So let me encourage you, if you're a part of the majority culture, which I am, as a white man, don't just post on Facebook or Instagram about how enlightened you are now about racism. I am thankful that it seems like many people are, are actually waking up to the realities of systemic racism in our country, but we are way overdue for real systemic change and renewal. We can't just make statements. Every single one of us, white, black, Asian, Latinx, must act and engage every sphere, our jobs, areas of housing and education and health and criminal justice with a desire to see justice and mercy roll down like mighty waters. All of us must exercise dominion in a way that brings about the reflection of God and his kingdom. Let me end by saying human beings at the center of God's world also results in doxology. God created this world and he created us to be at the center so that we might know him and we might make him known. And when we realize this, we'll speak like David did in verse 4. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you would care for him. So we become blown away that our great God is mindful of us. His mind is full of us. He's concerned about us. He delights in us. The God who is the Alpha and the Omega cares for us. The Hebrew word here for care can also be translated visits us. That's how the King James Version reads, if any of you use the King James. That God visits us. He visits us so that we would know his presence and his love and his grace and his peace. Who are we? that the Creator would visit us. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, Zechariah, after being enabled to speak, prophesies about the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Luke chapter 1, verse 68, he says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has visited us and redeemed his people. Who are we? 
that the Lord of heaven and earth, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would send Jesus to visit us, to care for us, to love and redeem us. Jesus reveals what is true about this world. Through his weakness, a poor carpenter from Galilee, his death on a cross, it is the strength of God to defeat the enemy. He crushes the enemy's head. Jesus is the God-man, the image of God, who is building a kingdom of justice, peace, love, and righteousness. Who are we that Jesus would visit and redeem us? See, humility, it is the response for anyone who embraces the gift of Jesus. And doxology, worship, is the result of embracing this gift. On April 30th, 2013, Robert Galbraith released his crime novel, Cuckoo's Calling. It barely sold 500 copies in the first few months. Many store owners considered pulling the book from their shelves, but news on July 14th changed everything. Galbraith, it was announced, was not the true author. J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, actually wrote the book and published it under a pseudonym. And from there, the sales skyrocketed, quickly rose to the top of multiple bestseller lists. The mere mention of Rowling's name changed everything. The name of Jesus, the God who visits and redeems us, should impact Christians in the same way. The very mention of Jesus' name should launch our hearts into doxology and worship. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 2020 has been and is a heavy year. Not sure what to do. Disillusioned. Well, God is inviting us to lift our eyes on him. And as we do, might he orient us so that we would live in light of what is true of God and in light of what he has told us to be true of his world. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would lift our eyes right now in this heavy, disorienting time that we might see the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, this creator God, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you are with us. Jesus, you tend to us, you care for us, you are redeeming, you are building a kingdom. I pray that we would be able to see that we're at the center of this world and we would live giving and extending dignity. We would live with faithfulness and the dominion that you've given to us and that our lives would be doxological, filled with worship as we set our gaze upon you. Transform us, heal us, and renew I pray, Jesus, it's in your name I ask this. Amen.